All right, folks, KB is not here this week. You see, work has put him in a figure four leg lock, and he has to tap out for this week. So I reached out to our friends here at 59 Media from the Hurricane Rana Wrestling Podcast, and I got Eric Tolley and Mike Prue to sit in. We're going to talk some old school wrestling. We're going to ask them when they got into wrestling, how old they were, some of their favorite matches. Then we're going to go kick it back on the final countdown to ECW wrestlers that should have made it big in the WWE or could have been even bigger stars than they are now. We're also going to touch upon the DC rebirth happening that's going on right now across the entire comic spectrum at DC Comics. Eric and Mike will give their opinions on that as well. So like any good superhero team, all these individuals are teaming up. And this is a crossover episode on Free Your Geek. By the power of Grayskull, You have failed this city. What does that mean? That means I have two very special guests. Um, let me turn the mics on right now because I want I want these guys to introduce themselves. But I, I worked up a little something first. Ladies and gentlemen, my first guest, the man who would go back to the future to punch Biff in the face and bang Marty McFly's mother... Mike Prue. What's up, Mike? Hey, how you doing? That's awesome. Good. How you doing? Good, good. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad to have you on the show. Uh, part of the Hurricane Rana Wrestling Podcast here on uh, 59 Media. And can it be? Can it be? It's the CEO and chairman of the board of 59 Media. This is Eric Tolly. What's up, dude? Hey, man. Hey, man. Just, just wow. trying to work on some uh, some intros. You know, we're going to be doing a you wrestling know, I, theme. I think I like that. Yeah, no, yeah. So, I, you know, I, I, might, sweet I, I, can, I can record that for you, uh, you know, for, for a nominal I'm pumped up a little theme. bit now. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, yeah, so, you know, welcome everyone to Free Your Geek. As I mentioned, KB not here. So what I did is I reached out to some other friends of mine here at 59 Media. 
Hurricane Rana Wrestling Podcast. I have Mike and Eric, both huge wrestling fans like myself. We all geek out on wrestling. So we're going to go into format, and we are going to touch a little bit about comic books in the industry news section. So don't worry about that. You're still going to get your comic and superhero fix, but we want to focus right now on the wrestling-specific pieces. So just in general, guys, I know you know I was on your podcast before, and um, from from my perspective, you guys are both wrestling fans. We'll start here with Mike. Uh, Mike, when did you start uh, becoming a wrestling fan? What was your earliest memory as far as wrestling goes? My earliest wrestling memory dates back to 1987. I was only four years old at the time, and it's a vivid memory of being at the Providence Civic Center Way up in the back, it was Hulk Hogan against Jake the Snake Roberts. And the one thing that stuck out about that event was Jake the Snake took out a, I guess they call it salt, powder, whatever. He takes it out of the bag and then throws it in Hogan's face, and it just went all over the place. And that image just stuck with me for so long that I even went back to find the date. Because I knew it happened. I remember being there. I said, I need to find out when that was. So I looked back. It was some like July 1987. And there's actually video recording of it. I was like, I didn't make that match up. I, that's not just in my head. It wasn't like this vivid and, thing that you created. And then I got to the end of the match. And there it was. The powder everywhere. I was like, oh, that, that's my earliest exactly memory. Exactly. Okay. And I remember my T-shirt that I got that night, too. Because I always make it a point to get a T-shirt at right. every event. It was George the Animal Steel. Wow. Okay, George George Steele. See, I, I was a little bit later than George Steele, but we'll get into that a little bit later. But Eric, I, I kind of want to know from your, your perspective, too. Um, my earliest memories of wrestling wasn't at an event like Mike's was. It, and I didn't go to an event until years into my wrestling fandom. Uh, I was, I would say, right around five or six years old. Ooh, it's, but WrestleMania four, I remember... My cousin being a fan a little bit before me and his father, my Uncle Jack, and we had all got together. I had no idea what was going on. WrestleMania 4 was on. I had no clue what I was getting into. Uh, we ordered it. We had like a little family get together. We recorded it because you could record VHS back right, then. Right. You know? And I must have watched that tape literally 250 times. Easily. More than that. Anyway, Four-hour show. I just kept watching it and watching it and watching it. And I, you know, up until we got to SummerSlam, then I started watching. Yeah, you know, just re it just really took off from there. <clears throat> that year, going into the SummerSlam and into the Mega Powers, it was the Hulk Hogan, the Randy Savage thing. You know, it, it was that whole storyline of Andre and Ted DiBiase. So those, th that was my earliest uh, memories. So, so suffice to say, Hogan was were both your favorites growing up as. That's children? not true. No. no, no. Okay, so that's good because I wanted to know who were. Your favorites, as you know, from what you can remember, your favorites growing up, and then who were the wrestlers that were you most hated, that, that were vilified the most in your minds as uh, children? So I guess we'll, we'll go back over here to my left and start with Mike. All right, so going back to the 87, and again, that's just like one memory that pops out. And again, it's probably one of my first memories of my entire life, not just the wrestling life. But I don't really remember having anybody that I was like, oh, yeah, this is my favorite at that point. It was a while later until I started to get favorites. Like in the early 90s, Bret Hart started to become my favorite. The hit man. Very cool. Right, in 1991, 
And at the same time, he was in a feud with somebody that was also I considered to be one of my favorites at the time. Was that Miss, was Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. So I was always like a mid card type of guy. I, for whatever reason, I have like some contrarian view towards whoever the top guy is. And I'm always like, nah, everyone likes them. I don't want to like them. So let me go with these other people. So I always rooted for like, like I said, Bret Hart, Mr. Perfect, Roddy Piper, those type of people. Even though, you know, Piper at times has been the main eventer, but those mid type guys are my guy, my kind of guy. How about how about you, Eric? Um Early off, I would say in the first year of my wrestling um, experience, I would say obviously Macho Man was the first person that I saw as the champion and stuff like that, so I really dug his style, Miss Elizabeth. Hogan was there. I didn't hate him. He just wasn't my favorite. He was everyone else's favorite, you know, kind of to your point. But I, in that first year, I went fast and furious into wrestling. I would take in anything that I could find. And uh, early on, I was a big Kerry Von Erich fan. I was. Uh, WCCW was available at 4 o'clock on ESPN back then, and I would watch it every day after school, and he was just the best. I mean, he had the look. He had everything. And then, uh, you know, as far as villains go, uh, Ric Flair was one of my favorites, and that wasn't a popular decision amongst uh, my friends at school because he was the bad guy. He was the bad guy, the best of the best bad guys, and uh, I just really liked his style. I always did. So, And, and they feuded. You know, Kerry Von Erich and Ric Flair feuded. So between those three guys, I would say that those are my early favorites from from right away. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Um, so kind of my thing too. Hogan, I was a big Hulkamaniac, Ultimate Warrior. WrestleMania four was right around my time too. WrestleMania four, WrestleMania five. Those are the two most vivid early pay per views that I I was into. I was a big uh, Marty Jannetty fan, believe it or not. Nobody's a Marty Jannetty <laughs> fan. Wow. But yeah, I, and I was like, and then when Shawn Michaels kicked him through the barbershop window, that's when I was like hooked, and I hated Shawn Michaels for the longest time until I got a little bit older and I could appreciate you know, what they actually do. Um, so my, my other next question uh, to you all, um, professional wrestling is, is very, it's kind of, there's kind of like a, it's a lightning rod for a lot of hate. It's very divisive. People either love it and, and they're like, so into it and then there's others that are like that's so fake that's 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 bullshit it's just it doesn't work but what about to, to you two guys uh and again michael I'll start with you what about wrestling uh to you that is that what captivates you what draws you in even from a kid maybe even to an adult now to this very day it's all about the showmanship and it's about the storylines and the plots that's what i get into it's like like everyone always says, the male soap opera. But the reality is that that is what it is, and that's why I like it because it is a show that well, it's geared towards women now too. But for a long time, it was something that a boy could watch, and it was like what we're going to get to probably is like it's real life superheroes, real life action stars, every, every week that you see, and you get to follow them in their stories. So that's what I loved about it. That's what I love about it today, and that's why I'm so passionate about how sometimes I think the storylines are going in the wrong direction because that's what it's all about for me well we're gonna we're gonna touch upon that so you know he has a good point Uh, a lot of these characters and that's what they are they're characters that are in you know a fighting set and and stuff like that it's it's different from the movies and and from the cartoons of of course and but it's it's these characters that you kind of you know growing up you want to be this guy you know Hulk Hogan's the All-American, and, you know, you got some some of the badasses, you know, that, that did their thing, like the Stone Coles and stuff like that. Like, you, you can kind of relate to some of these guys as as people you wanted to be, and, and even now, it's it's like, you know, some of these guys are cool. Like, some of these guys you can still kind of relate to. I'm 30, 
five years old and I'm still, you know, I still see a lot of, you know, my, you know, personalities and stuff that I like and, and that I can, you know, kind of relate to. So it's, it, it is that, that soap opera feel. And I hate using that. Yeah, you know, I do too, but it's, it, but, but it is, it, it's the showmanship and, and the stories and, and the writings, e- even though the writers get a lot of flack, but they keep you watching, you oh, know, yeah. you're going to tune in next week to see where this goes every week. They know what they're doing. So it kind of, it's kind of a run on stories since I was a kid and it always goes back to that too. So it, it it's like a never-ending story, really. Yeah. Not to be confused with the movie, because not, awesome. to be, <laughs> not to be totally <laughs> two totally different yeah. things. Um, okay, so then from there, uh, well, let's let's that, we talked a little bit about your childhood. Let's go fast forward a little bit. Um, you're both fans today, um, and I actually want to actually go back too. But um, right now, currently, any particular favorites that or people you just like now? Not from a oh, I hate you because you're a bad guy. I just like you shouldn't be where you are in the company. You're not a great as great a performer i'd rather see somebody else in your spot or do you have i know where this is going <laughs> okay good well this is good well, so i can speak on that first <laughs> <laughs> well i i guess um there's a few guys that shouldn't be there where they are um i would say you know roman reigns we, we can say that and, and i was a guy that was a big fan of his you know he's the guy he's the guy that they wanted to be and he's got the look and all that stuff too he should be a guy that we all like but the, for whatever reason that I, I think they handled him wrong and unfortunately for him um there's he's taken a lot of heat and I, I don't think he's a guy I'm not a big fan of AJ Styles so, you know you're sitting there wearing a shirt I like him I just don't think that I think he's getting a lot more credit for you know what he's done then then I, I just don't see the value in him as, as other people do I I don't want to see him on top but you know uh that I tend to agree with all that right there with Roman Reigns being somebody that probably shouldn't be at this top spot. I mean, that's debatable. You ask somebody our age, they're going to say Roman Reigns. You ask a 12-year-old, they're going to say Roman Reigns deserves to be on the top. Right. <laughs> so it all depends on who you're asking. But since you're asking us, I don't think no, Roman I, Reigns deserves it. And <laughs> I, and that's, that's one of the other great features about wrestling, specifically now with the WWE, is, you know, there's other – companies and well i want to get to that too but um wwe is really focused on the family atmosphere but it's almost like what i like to think of it as barnum and bailey's you know ringling brothers circus type of thing it's like it has something for everybody if you don't like the trapeze artist you're gonna like the clowns if you don't like that you're gonna like the sword swallower or the the world's strongest man or all those different things there's different facets because i think i can speak for the three of us somebody like um, Sami Zayn or Kevin Owens or, or something, somebody along those lines, we relate to more because we like respect the athleticism and stuff that they can do. Where character-wise, like the younger folks in the audience are going to gravitate more towards a Cena or a Roman Reigns or something because again, it's like a real-life superhero to them because the way they're being written in the storylines or as they say in the business, the way they're being booked um, as a character, um, and that kind of. Um, ties with what my show is about you know a little bit with the comic books and superheroes as well because it's really like a comic book come to life you have your superheroes flying off the ropes good versus evil you know heroes turn evil villains turn good it's a whole thing that happens throughout you know it's it's a trope within the comic books but it also happens within wrestling you know other than i believe ricky steamboat was the only baby face which is uh, a term for a good guy in wrestling 
uh, that's never turned bad or heel. I think he's the only like the only I never thought of that wrestler yeah. that's never gone might be one right. way one way or the other. Um, that's that's yeah that's that's one of the the little fun facts. Uh, wow, for, for your geek, <laughs> Ricky Steamboat's never turned. Did you know that? I mean, no, can you think I, of anyone else? They, that's a good topic. I'm gonna I'm gonna put yeah. that one in my pocket. Well, and, and that's that's what I want to get to next. Um, so before we get into it, because I want you guys to discuss what your podcast is about, but I had one more question from at any point within your fandom, fandom as a wrestler, a wrestling fan, I guess, uh, any particular, and Mike, you touched upon this before, some of the storylines that are not always great or just they don't connect with you, anything you're kind of ashamed about that like you watch wrestling and you're like, I'm kind of embarrassed to be a wrestling fan because of this storyline? There's been plenty. Okay. so uh, Yeah, it's... Where do we begin? Really? Well, I mean, just it's, it's, which one's the most memorable that sticks to you? Like I would not show it. Like if any of my friends knew I was watching this, I would be like raked across the coals so bad. Like they would be nonstop making fun of me. Uh, I got one that I thought of. It was Survivor Series '94, I believe it was. It was the Doink and all his uh, his midgets. Doink, Dan, Pink, Jerry, and Wink. Jerry Lawler's midgets. <laughs> that's that's an embarrassing moment, I think, or a shameful moment in wrestling history. I mean, there's plenty of others, like more so in a gimmick sense that what their gimmicks were is like, oh, yeah, if somebody saw me watching this, like, why are you watching a guy with a trash can come down to the ring? Or why are you watching this guy puke outside the ring all the time? You know, you, you weren't a fan of T.L. <laughs> Hopper, I take it then. <laughs> or the plumber. <laughs> it, I get it. You know, it's a lot of stuff like that. But, you know, there's there's just been countless. I mean, look at Natty Neidhart's farting, uh, <laughs> you know, run she had. And then you had... uh. You know, <laughs> Hornswoggle ended up being the raw GM, and and that was just a and waste McMahon's of son. time. McMahon's son, and then you had uh, you know, him blowing up, and then how about you know to be embarrassed? You want to talk about embarrassment? You know, one Monday night they're blowing him up, and the next Monday night he's in the middle of the ring to an empty arena, saying, you know, wrestling is real at times. The Chris Benoit right. tragedy, and then halfway through that show, they realize, shoot, you know, we're uh oh, we just screwed he, uh oh, <laughs> we gotta, we gotta, this tribute going on where everyone's crying about how great he was, and then, uh, you know, it ends the up facts, being, that was embarrassing, you know. Yeah, it, it, then you're gonna start answering questions. Be you're a wrestling fan, you know, what's going on with this? Well, uh, you know, wrestlers are crazy, and I don't know. You, you, you gotta, you find yourself defending yourself when things make big news like that, you know. So. For me personally, so I, where I was kind of gravitating toward, I was around uh, 16, 17, around the late 90s, early 2000s, and there was an angle where uh, a wrestler who is now one of the bosses, uh, Triple H, was fighting another wrestler, Kane, and they made a storyline that Kane was in a mental asylum and he ended up hooking up with this other girl that in high school or whatever and then she died in a car accident and they reenacted him having sex with a mannequin that to me is just like this is what makes me embarrassed like whoever thought of this and it got by it got by Vince McMahon usually you hear all these writers and whatnot and they talk about it and they're like oh well yeah well all the storylines that we can pitch the stupidest things and Vince can just like put the kibosh on at any time this got by the head guy as entertainment. So what kind of sick son of a bitch is he that lets this stuff go through? That That's, you know, that. And then the other big one, um, there's a very talented, she's no longer with us, but a pioneer of women's wrestling. We talk about women's wrestling. May Young entered a relationship with uh, a legitimate strongman. He was in the 1996 Olympics, a man by the name of Mark Henry. And her being like 86 at the time, 
quote unquote got pregnant and gave birth to a hand. And again, this is like storylines that go past the big boss that this is supposed to be entertaining and it made no sense. So those are two of the storylines that I can think of that as a wrestling fan, just, you know, I was like, I, why do I still watch this sometimes? Like it, it made me embarrassed, but you know, you stick with it and then you get some really, really good storylines and sometimes they don't go all the way through with it. Um, the most one recently to my mind was, uh, and this was a couple of years ago, there was a Nexus storyline. So they had this, this whole reality show to, for these newbies, uh, this freshman team, they called it NXT at the time and now it's an actual brand, but back then it was a reality show and all these guys that were contestants ended up banding together at the end of it and formed this huge group of bad guys all wanting the spot. And they just, they, the storyline started off so strong and then it just like dissipated out over the weeks and it basically boiled down to nothing. But you had this really good shock moment and it just fizzled out. And so anything like that where you guys saw like a storyline you thought was going to go crazy and then just kind of fizzled or didn't turn out the way you wanted it to or thought it ended badly? Anything off the top of your heads you can think of? Um, I, I feel like there's a lot of Undertaker stuff that, that's gone that way where it looks promising and then, it, you know, like um, when he died and then he came back, he was put in the casket at Royal Rumble 94 and he comes back and, and you have this fake Undertaker. That kind of fell flat for me too. Was so he had like a doppelganger. You're right. And so it was played by a guy that, that looked similar, but he was about four Lee. inches shorter than. Yeah. Him. So it's kind of hard to buy that it's his twin. A top too. They do that a lot too, and uh, I can't think of anything specific, but I, I, I can clearly recall being upset that they just kind of, you know, they'll just pretend that it didn't happen, and like you forgot about <laughs> it, or or they'll or they'll have someone come back like a. Brock Lesnar, and all of a sudden he's in the middle of the ring shaking hands with Triple H. Like they just fought a gruesome match at SummerSlam, but now he's going to be on his team just like it never happened. Like like stuff like that. It's like show some of the animosity. I there. watch every week, and I have a memory, you know. So you got to kind of give us some credit. They probably figure though that people are cycling out a lot of times, where you know, because I know I did it at a point in the uh, late '90s, early 2000s, where I was. And maybe this has to go with being embarrassed. I was getting to an age where I was like, I can't watch wrestling anymore. You know, I was hiding my geek. I'm, now I'm freeing my Free geek. Free your geek. There you go. See, <laughs> plug the plug that title, man. <laughs> you know, th think about like Randy Orton kicking Stephanie in the head, and then all of a sudden him and Triple H are best friends. You know, just like you know. Right. You att you attack my wife, and then you know, a month later we're, we 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 right. force the team up. Yeah, the evolution's and, back and, together. Yeah, now we're we're buddy buddy again. Yeah, yeah. I, I can. I you know can what I mean? That. Yeah. But let's let's come current times let's talk a little bit about your podcast so for the listeners of my podcast that don't necessarily um haven't checked out the other fit great podcasts on 59 media first of all what are you doing right second of Get all give me a little bit about hurricane rana what what do you want to i mean i know give us some background I, we can talk a little bit about uh the, the beginnings of it how it started where it's going now and what you want the show to be all right uh this is how it began um four years ago i was approached by a local radio station about doing a show and he asked me what I was passionate about and I was a wrestling fan and that's it like I could talk about sports and stuff or I could do this or that but if you want me to come in every week with a, a good idea um, and, and have ideas and, and really make this work it needs to be this you know it needs to be you know this 
So uh, he he let me roll with it, and I got together a group of guys that I thought I could count on. So I got together. Uh, originally, Mike wasn't on the show. He was a friend of the show, but he wasn't on the show originally. But I got together uh, three of his best friends. Uh, they came up. I, I knew they were wrestling fans. They had already bought tickets to I, – I had known them for a while, but they had already bought tickets to WrestleMania that year. So I kind of contacted them, and then I had an old friend, Brian, who we used to watch wrestling growing up together, and I kind of brought everyone together, and we uh, just kind of put this together on that. Now, that didn't last too long, and then um, we still kind of kept it. You know, we still kind of kept the logo. We had the logo made, and we had all the stuff. We had a, we have a, our own championship belt, which we turned into our fantasy football trophy. So that's been going on for three years now. My, Mike's the current champion. Um so we kind of kept the hurricane run a thing, and we always talked about putting it back together. And then it, it, it really was just a matter of, of when. The it, chat. Yeah, Mention that. It, chat. You know, we have we've had this chat going on Facebook for four years now. That's got you know two hundred thousand messages in it, probably more now. The last time you counted, um, we just go every day. We talk. So it, you know, it, it became you know when are we going to do this? Not if you know. So we needed to put it back together, and and here we are. Fifty nine media. I'll say this for the first time in the air, okay? The only reason this whole thing exists is because I was dying to get Hurricane Rana back on the air, and I didn't know how else to do it, and I didn't think just buying a couple mics and just doing our show would be as beneficial as having our own station and having a network of shows. So 59 Media is really based on the back of Hurricane Rana and our experiences there, and then we kind of turn that into what it is today. We have this podcast. We, you know, we have Whatever Bros, which is you, which you're a part of. And uh, the Wise Ass Podcast is something else I'm, I'm on. So Check out the Wise Ass Podcast. That show is hilarious. So it, it's, it's just, you know, so I'm building this network because I, I, I feel like we can do better as a team than just, just us as a rest. We, we could do this right. in my mother's basement. But, right. oh. but like, I'm not going to get a studio just for one show. How am I going to get wrestlers and, and legit people right. to, to take me seriously in my mother's basement. The way I like to think of it is 59 Media is kind of like when you go to the supermarket in the summertime and you have all those different flavors in those plastics, the different ice pops, and you have your lime flavor, your grape flavor, your cherry flavor, your watermelon flavor. All the different shows on 59 Media is a different flavor, so there's something there for everybody. Yes. So check out all the other shows. Um, Eric, you mentioned currently on Hurricane Ronnie, you talk current stuff, WWE? Uh, we do, and... We, we we will talk not not so much a raw recap but like a weekly what's going on i mean you never know like this week there was a suspension that was pretty big roman reigns and in uh you know an arrest that happened with with jerry the king law so we're just keeping up to date with not so much of a raw recap but it was kind of a big week in wrestling and then also we have you know we work very closely with the local promotion here in fall river and uh we get those guys on all the time that's been fun for us we get a lot of listens through them because they share it and, and this whole network that they built for years and years and years you know they're a couple blocks away they come over after practice or, or, you know, after a show or before a show, and, and they do a show with us. So we get wrestlers in all the time, local guys, but, you know, we're, it's but a matter never, of time. You never know. Uh, you know, not to make this into a news thing, but NXT now, SmackDown, the secondary show of WWE, the other main show, the one that's not currently live, is going live. Yes. And there's their, for lack of a better term, AAA team or farm team or minor league, whatever you want to call it. NXT, which is in this in the sense in essence rather a th- separate ba- brand and a third brand, they're going to be calling up supposedly a lot of those talents. So you never know where local wrestlers that are talented here getting like that 
big fish in a small pond type thing might move down. And then you can actually, you know, state that we've had them on before they blew up and went to NXT and became a star there too. So you always have that capability. Um, and I know you guys do current stuff. And the cool thing with Raw is with it being live every week and there's no off season, you'll always have something to talk right, about yeah, on the podcast. It, always. It oh, just yeah. keeps going. Someone could start a football podcast, but there's only going to be about 17 right. Maybe the twenty weeks where, where you're gonna have something to talk about, right? So. And you know, other than storylines, you know, or, or news articles happening with certain players around the league. Um, and I know you're you're predominantly WWE, but do you typically talk about anything else, or do you even happen to watch anything else? Uh, Ring of Honor, TNA. Do you watch Lucha Underground, New Japan, anything like that? Are you or are you more more focused on on the WWE portion of it because that's the big that's the big dog. Let's be honest. I would say the wrestling business in general is what we try to obviously the big dog you just said it you know that's real i mean wwe is the story yeah that's the that's what most people watch it it makes the news more the guys have you know that's where everybody wants to be right so obviously that takes a good portion of it if something happens in lucha underground roh tna we will absolutely bring it up you know if if it's if it's newsworthy if it's something that needs to be talked about absolutely um but you know even the local stuff, if this, if there's, uh, you know, indie stuff that's going on, maybe not even local, you know, we'll bring that up. So, so no matter what the topic is, uh, as long as it's wrestling related, it gets sprinkled in. I mean, I mean even retired news. guys. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's we we try to whatever's news really. Yeah. But to, with what your other question was, I try to watch everything. I try to watch ROH, have everything on DVR. The late nights of uh, ROH and New Japan, those all get recorded. TNA, I watch them during the week, and something good happens there. I'll put it on the agenda for the show and talk about it. But, you know, that doesn't happen so often. Excellent. Mike's the agenda maker. He, okay. He's like he's like you of of us. He 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 puts in a lot of work to make sure the show goes. He he does. The, he's the format guy. Yes, he's absolutely. He's he, well. He's, he's a, a lot he's a learn, teacher though. in real life. Yeah. So him writing down agendas and and, and plans and stuff. That's kind of what he does. So I leave that to him. And well, now I have some more free time because it's summer. So well, that's that's good. So there you go. You can exactly. Um, well, speaking of format, let's get into format. Let's get to our next segment, our industry news segment. All right, so we want to we want to do a little bit of comics here because this is a, a nerdy for your geek uh, type of thing. But we've been talking about this and kind of alluding to it in earlier shows and earlier episodes. But the DC Comics has started a what they call a rebirth, and this is kind of interesting because it ties very well together with what you gentlemen were just talking about about certain storylines just being dropped and like swept under the rug. Basically, what happened was back in 2011, DC Comics, in an attempt to attract new readers, basically restarted everything and ended all the current characters that have 30 to 40 to 50 years worth of continuity and storylines. They basically just said, okay, new start. All superheroes have only been around for five years, and this is where we're starting. Started off strong and then just crashed. It, it just you know turned into... So now, realizing that they're trying to get their old fans back, they're essentially trying to merge the new 52 that they launched in 2011 with the, the 40 and 50 years of history, bring it all together and say, okay, well, somebody actually stole years and years away from these these heroes and basically erased this timeline. And now they're trying to basically bring back the storylines and characters that you remember from prior to 2011 and kind of, um, I don't know, 
sift through and, and pick and choose and kind of combine that with what happened in uh, post-2011. So there's certain characters such as, um, I'm sure you guys have heard of The Flash. There was a secondary Flash that once they rebooted, never showed up. Wally and West. Wally West, yeah. So they're like, oh, Wally West. Uh, there was another uh, heroine uh, by the name of Spoiler. She was a Batman sidekick. Basically, she was the daughter of a supervillain. And she just had a very strong following, and they basically just never brought her back. So now they're bringing her back and trying to uh, bring back all her history at the same time saying even though she never existed in this new world. So it's kind of interesting how, you know, we were talking earlier. It's it's kind of like it reminds me of, and I'll mention this to you guys because I, I think you'll remember. You guys were watching WCW back in the day, correct? Oh, yeah. Vince Russo comes in as the writer. He was part of the WWE Wanted a new challenge, went over to WCW, which was the secondary company, which had at the time been beating WWE. WWE started taking over, brought in Mike Tyson, got better ratings, storylines, captivating storylines, captivating characters, started kicking WCW's butt. Russo goes over to do the same thing for WCW and just butchers everything, for the most part, for the most part. You know, that's a testament of having Vince, Vince McMahon watching over your shoulder compared to having in WCW. Free reign, right? Free reign, but then the guys that you're really answering to were the Hulk Hogan's, which you got into a huge fight on, on live air, for real, um, and, and guys like Kevin Nash and stuff like that. So Vince obviously held him in check. In, in Right, when you let the talent have creative control, then it's going to go yeah, so. pooey. And, and that's absolutely right, because now Jeff Johns, who actually did a couple other rebirth series from back in the day, he did the Flash rebirth, which returned Barry Allen as the number one Flash, and he did Green Lantern rebirth, which returned Hal Jordan as the main Green Lantern. He is now overseeing this entire rebirth arc. So he's going to be the man in charge. He's doing a rebirth-specific storyline. So check out DC Universe Rebirth Special Number 1. And all of the individual titles are relaunching with the rebirth number one that he's overseeing the entire process with different writers. So even though it's going to be multiple writers on different titles, now you have this one guy in charge that's going to either accept or nix certain ideas for characters. So I'm, I'm curious to see where this goes. Um, he was just quoted at saying uh, in the same vein. Uh, as Green Lantern Rebirth and The Flash, some things alter and change, but it's more character-driven. And it's also more about revealing secrets and mysteries within the DC universe about Flashpoint and the New 52 that are part of a bigger tapestry. So he has a vision on where he wants to go with this. So just want to give our listeners out there letting us know when KB actually comes back, once these number ones happen with the Rebirth, we're going to be doing a Rebirth special show to go and, and kind of rank all of our different stories that we like from the rebirth side so i just wanted to make mention of that and tie it into our uh, wrestling talk that we have right now but folks we're going to take a break um i also want to point out the opening song you heard uh was a band it was the original intro song to extreme championship wrestling ecw that was by harry slash and the slash tones we're going to take a break here in a second and we're going to be listening to the intro music for a wrestler by the name of lance storm in ecw uh, this is by White Zombie. It's called El Phantasmo in the Chicken Run Blastorama.
And welcome back to Free Your Geek. I am your host, Jay Free, in studio, Mike and Eric from the Hurricane Rana Wrestling Podcast, which you can also hear on 59 Media. Go to Facebook. Go to 50, find 59 Media. That's F-I-F-T-Y, the number nine media on Facebook. Go to 59media.com. The podcasts are there too. Check us out on iTunes. Check us out on Stitcher. Um, we have things everywhere, so just check it out. We have it, and go to go to Free Your Geek Facebook page, and we'll, that's going to be on there too. And I'll link, to, I'll, I'll even link to Hurricane Rana in the description. They'll all be there. But now, guys, now comes my favorite uh, section or segment of the show. This is where we rank our list. So this is what we I like to call the final count. The final countdown and today's topic, since we are on a wrestling theme, and I don't want to step on the Hurricane Rana wrestling podcast toes because they do the current stuff. So my idea was, let's go back in time. Let's go back to a small independent company called Extreme Championship Wrestling. A lot of their wrestlers have gone over to WWE. Some of them became big stars. Some of them, not so much. So our list today is, let's do our top five ECW wrestlers who should have or could have made it big in the WWE. Um, We're going to start with our honorable mentions. I'll start with Mike. We'll go to Eric. Then I'll go all the way down from honorable mention to five to four to three to two to one because obviously that's the way it works. So turning to my left, we're going to go to Mike. And what is your honorable mention? Okay, honorable mention. Uh, I'm going with a tag team here. This was a tag team that had held the titles a few times, and they were very much involved in that tag team scene in the late 90s, and that is the Pitbulls. Pitbull number one, Spike, and Pitbull number two, Rex, along with their manager, which was Francine. I almost chose her to be my honorable mention because I just thought she should be, uh, man, boy's dreams at 13 years old with Francine and those outfits she had. That was enough right there to get me to think about having her as an honorable mention. She can blow Sonny out of the water. But uh, the Pitbulls, they were an awesome tag team. They were agile. They were jacked. They were strong. And they were just fearsome. And I thought they were one of the best tag teams in ECW. And they never got a chance to be in the WWF. I would have loved to have seen them there. And so that's why I choose my honorable mention. My honorable mention was a guy who was in the WWF. And that's probably, uh, that's actually the theme of my list. But he had a successful career in WCW to an extent. But I would have liked to see Dean Malenko spend more time in WWE and and just have a bigger career. I really liked him as a horseman in WCW. I really liked him as a, you know, a cruiserweight champion. And he was one of the best in the ring at the time. But I think by the time that he got to WWE, he was a little on the older side and kind of phasing out into the retirement part. And he kind of went into the, the uh, you know, management part of it. And he's still there and doing great things. So When they... they for for that one too, they tried to change him his character. When he came over from WCW, they turned him into almost like a James Bond, where he thought he was like a ladies' man type of thing, and that wasn't who he was. He was just this technical guy that didn't have to be stone faced, but he was very serious, and he could just kick your ass. Right, right. So yeah, I I agree. That's a good pick. He's not on my list, and neither are the pit bulls, but. They, they were a great tag. I didn't do tag teams, and I should have, because that, that would have gave me a lot more. I was pulling what I have left of my hair out trying to figure out and whittle <laughs> this down. But my first honorable mention, <clears throat> he was also 
in WWE, and he was the ECW champion at one point. He just never had quite the success that I would have liked to have seen um, in WWE. And that man is a guy by the name of Rhino. He kind of reminds me, if you want to compare it to somebody currently, Roman Reigns. He's this big dude. He can hit hard. His gore looks awesome. That that tackle, like Roman Reigns used the spear. The gore looks sick. The gore looks sick. He, one of the greatest accomplishments or things that I remember about him is he speared or gored Chris Jericho through the SmackDown set. That was like one of the big things that I liked. Um, but his other accomplishments in WWE, he was a when WWE purchased WCW, he was the quote-unquote WCW US champion, and he was a three-time hardcore champion. That's all he was really accomplished in WWE, and I think his downfall is he wasn't the greatest talker. If Paul Heyman, like what he does with Lesnar now, could have been in his corner, I think he would have been a much bigger star. So that's my honorable mention, Rhino. And now we're going to start with number five. I'm going to kick number five over to Mike. What do you have? Okay, number five, I have a man at that at that time in the late 90s was what we would consider to be like a Daniel Bryan type of superstar, and that's Mikey Whipwreck. Mikey Whipwreck went on some great runs in ECW. He was the heavyweight champion for a period of time and had a lot of fan support because he was that small underdog. And WWF at the time obviously wasn't really into that kind of wrestler or character. So they probably just didn't even give him a second look, but he couldn't really go in the ring. He was high flyer. He was great on the mic. And the epitome of the underdog, which the WWF or WWE realized many years later is what a lot of people can relate to. So they like to have those characters now. But ECW had it all the way back then. My number five is the Sandman. Although, again, all right, I'm going to spoiler alert. All my guys have spent time in WWE, but... This guy was at the top of his game in ECW, of course. He was really the, a lot of people will say, you know, him and a guy like Tommy Dreamer are the face of the company or or the people that made that thing go. Um, Do I think he should have been world champion? No, but I think he could have had a much longer and more successful run and not just been an ECW guy. Because this guy was hardcore and he, he really define that word in the ring so i think sandman was a guy that i would have liked to see spend more time and have some better feuds not just as that ecw original kind of character he was doing he always kind of rode those coattails and and i would have liked to see him do you know a little more on his own as a sandman well that's that's interesting because he was kind of like the blueprint to stone cold steve austin right you know so that's that's kind of cool so Again, another two. I'm on, I'm curious to see what our like top three is going to be because I think we might all have the sim- <laughs> something similar because Mikey Whipwreck and the Sandman, not on my list, so that's interesting. My number five is a guy that I would compare currently, maybe even to the late 90s, early 2000s, maybe even mid-2000s, to a Triple H. This gentleman goes by the name of Shane Douglas. Now, Shane Douglas was in the WWE a number of times, but he's a pioneer of ECW when he threw down the Eastern Championship Wrestling title and then declared himself the Extreme Championship Wrestling uh, Champion. So he basically rechristened himself the ECW Champion. I think that's kind of parallel to when Bischoff essentially handed Triple H the world title, saying, this is what we want from you now. This is what we want you to be. You're the wrestler for this raw brand, and he was he was carrying around the old WCW title. Um, similar to Triple H, he built himself a stable 
to keep him as champ, a triple threat with Chris Candido, Bam Bam Bigelow, rather than Evolution with Batista, Randy Orton, and Ric Flair. That that group was also created basically make sure Triple H stays champion, kind of like the Horsemen. Shane Douglas was a great talker. He has passion and respects the business, but he was always working the crowd. He was always trying to get the crowd into it with his rants against Ric Flair and things of that nature. But then he went over to the WWE, and he was wasted as Dean Douglas. Do you remember that? Yeah, I okay. Yeah. okay, Dean Douglas. There was nothing there. He was a teacher. He Classes was a teacher. But before that, he was actually in, but he was Shane Douglas in the 1991 Royal Rumble. And that was, besides holding as Dean Douglas, the Intercon- Intercontinental title for a record 11 minutes, cause, because uh, Shawn Michaels forfeited it to him, and then he immediately lost it to Razor Ramon that night. Before that, when he was just Shane Douglas, he lasted 26 minutes and 23 seconds in the 1991 Royal Rumble. And that is his greatest accomplishment in the WWE. And to me, that's a shame. So that's why he's my number five, Shane Douglas. What do you got for number four, Mike? My number four is the ripoff of HBK, Stevie Richards. Stevie Richards spent some time in the WWE and was used, as he probably should have been used, as a kind of a joke character, which what he was in the in ECW with the BWO and all that, the Blue World Order. But I really thought he had great talent, and you give him more opportunity, he probably could have shined a lot more than he did as being this typical joke-type character that he was being used as. So I have a lot of respect for Stevie Richards. I thought he was really good in the ring, even though he was kind of a ripoff of Shawn Michaels at that time. My number four is a local guy who I would have loved to see just for selfish reasons, <coughs> a guy that we grew up watching in the indie scene around here. Um, it's Peter Polanco. It's just incredible. It's, unfortunately, the Portuguese man of war. You know, he did have that run there. And I bet you Four River was a buzzing when he was working that gimmick, thinking he was going to be the next Hulk Hogan, the Portuguese Hulk Hogan. <laughs> but it, <laughs> luckily for Vince, that never came to fruition. Um I, I just thought the guy could go. I thought he was very solid. And, you know, him being a local guy or just being, you know, very prominent on this local scene that we grew up as kids going to the park and and just seeing all over. Um, it would have been great for me, selfishly, as a local guy, kind of a, a, a little bias there in, in, in that. But I would have loved to see Just Incredible do a little more on the WWE. And, well, he did form a group uh, called X Factor with uh, afterwards. When he came back, he was just incredible. And they had the Uncle Cracker music, which I don't think did him any favors. But Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so forgettable. Right, you know? exactly. It's, 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 it's too bad. Cause yeah. he, he's a really, he was a really great wrestler. He was. He, he was, was very talented. Yeah, very, very talented, talented yep. in ECW. Um, his finishing move was the Tombstone Piledriver. He called it That's Incredible, which is awesome. And his name was even great. I, that's a great name. Just Incredible. Um, my number four is uh, you compared Mike. You compared Mikey Whipwreck to Daniel Bryan. I think this guy, while maybe not the exact style, reminds me a lot of Daniel Bryan. Um, this is a Japanese fellow by the name of Yoshihiro Tajiri. Um, the kicks, the headbutts, the fluidity in the ring. He, the guy, could move. He could wrestle. In ECW, he had five star classics with Super Crazy. He was vicious. His kicks where like the, the fans got really, really into like the, the, the just the viciousness of those kicks, the brutality of those kicks. And then he brought like the Muda thing with the mist and it was it was really, really cool. And he was usually paired with somebody that he could actually make a great comedic pair with. Um Eddie Guerrero, when he was part of the tag team, he had to fill in for Chavo and they won the titles. Um William Regal. William Regal where he was kinda like Regal's assistant when Regal was the commissioner. And then he got to and, and as much as 
I'm going to hate him for this. He was paired up with Tori Wilson for a while, which was fantastic. But like he always had to be saddled with somebody. He could never be his own wrestler. Like he was kind of like brought and pushed to the background when he was kind of solo. But he does have a number of uh, WWE accomplishments. He was the WCW US champ one time. He was the WWF light heavyweight champ one time. He was the cruiserweight champion three times. He had the WWE tag champ uh, tag championship with Eddie Guerrero one time. And with William Regal, he was the world tag team champion. And there's a silver lining, which I'm sure you guys are going to cover on your show. He's been named as one of the participants in the WWE Cruiserweight Classic Tournament. Yes. So he'll be coming back. And Looking it, forward to that. William Regal actually posted a picture with him and Tajiri back in the ring, and it was it was really, really cool. So I'm pumped about that. So that's my number four, Tajiri. Number three for me is one of the former heavyweight champions of ECW who had a great run in ECW. He had time in WWF and was a manager and kind of a clownish type manager with Johnny Polo. And then he came Oof. over and totally transformed to something totally different, something you could never even imagine. Just became like one of the coolest guys in ECW, and that's Raven. And he had time spent WCW and even WWF again, but it was never the same as his ECW run. Uh, they kind of just let him fall flat when he came to WWE, and they probably didn't have he probably didn't have much as creative control that he did when he was in ECW. So he wasn't booked the right way, in my opinion. But he had such great ability on the mic and a way to captivate an audience, and I thought he could have been much better as Raven in WWE. It just didn't work out for him. My number three, and I think this is going to come to a shock as most, and I'm, I'm kind of shocked that we haven't had any doubles yet. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. But this guy's actually had success in the WWE. Lots of it. Uh, you know, multi-time champion. But I would have rather seen him do a solo run you know one of the only things tna's gotten right over the past couple years is bubba ray dudley and he was the best of the best in there i I mean when i say it's one of the only things they've gotten right this guy was an awesome heel okay he's a multi-time champion bubba ray dudley has held you know tag team champion the most decorated tag team champion of all time. Him and his brother throughout all these different promotions. But this is a guy that I would love to see. Might be a little too late now, especially with the doing with the Dudleys. I mean, he could have a short run, but they should have had. They should have gave him a long run. I, he could have been a top guy, like like a top heel in the company at a time in his career. You know, TNA got to it first, so I don't know if Vince will ever jump the gun and give him that similar run that. You know, like TNA's idea. Right, it's kind of like saying TNA was right. Right, but man, did they knock it out of the park with putting him solo and having him, giving him a microphone and letting him be a a great heel. He was a great heel for TNA, and I would have loved to see that. I think he could have been, uh, a, you know, a solo guy that that would have been at the top in WWE. I agree with that. I mean, when they did the brand split and he split with uh, Devon, he had a little bit of a, but he was still the same character. They never let him right. unleash what he could actually do. And I absolutely agree. He was Bully Ray in uh, Total Nonstep Action TNA, and he just, he was killing it. Yes, killing, killing it. it. He was killing it. Yeah. Um, so I'll say one of those two are on my list. I won't show it, tell you who or when, but my number three is a guy I kind of compared to Seth Rollins now. Um, back in the day, he was a technical prowess, had great matches with Rob Van Dam, 
in ECW. He made it to WWE and didn't do a whole lot. He was there for a cup of coffee. Um, the dude can go. Uh, I He was not a great talker, and I think that was his big downfall, but it's a man by the name of Jerry Lynn. Uh, Jerry Lynn basically was an enhancement talent. In 1989, he lost to Rick Bartel, and then he lost in 1995 to a gentleman uh, by the name of Rad Radford. I know I don't know if that, that Rad rings Rad a bell with him. Louis Spicoli. Louis Spicoli um, in ECW. He was the light heavyweight champ, and the most memorable thing he did in WWE or WWF at the time, I think it was he was at WWF New York, and JR kicked it over to him, and he's like, oh, is this good enough for you now, JR? Am I... And there was a storyline, again, that went nowhere, but it was like he was supposed to be some type of like uh, disgruntled employee that JR hired, and I don't know what they were trying to go for, but he was trying to do this character where he was pissed off, and they just dropped it, and then they let him go like a couple of weeks later. So I think he never got a fair shake with the company. The dude is an amazing talent. Um, so that's my number three, Jerry Lynn. My number two is a man that kind of opened me up to ECW. I used to get Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazines all the time before I actually knew of watching ECW. And this man would always stand out in the pictures as he's jumping off the ropes, he's breaking tables. I'm talking about Sabu. Sabu is the one that really turned me on to ECW. I found a way to be able to watch it through RF Video. RF Video was an online, uh, not even online. This was just a flyer that you could get and you could order tapes from. And that's how I got into it. And then I you know, eventually found other ways to watch it. But Sabu is what really turned me on to it. Um, he had spent some time in WWE, of course, but he wasn't really used to his full potential. And even though he could have been because it, they were going into that hardcore period and he could have definitely helped out that, but they didn't really use him much. And it's starting to could be a continuing trend that I think maybe Eric had just touched on is that Vince McMahon doesn't like to really go with the way that wrestlers were used elsewhere because maybe it's kind of an ego type thing where he thinks that he can do what he wants with them and not go with what has worked for them. So Sabu, it, he could have been a lot better. He is Mr. ECW in my mind, and he's only number two. My number two. This guy, going back to what we touched on earlier about the early days of me being a fan of wrestling, <coughs> this was a guy that I used to love to watch. He just had not your you know big muscle head look. He just was cool looking. He had the, the tattoos on the head, the flames on the gear. This is a guy that actually main evented WrestleMania. But he never held titles. He was never like a guy. This guy could move better than, you know, a lot of guys. He was fast. He was strong. He had the look. He could have been, you know, a, a real, you know, big heel in the company. They never gave him that run. They, he, they just always had him in the mid card. He never – that that one main event WrestleMania was against a football player who had no business being in the ring. That might be one of the worst main events of all time, in my opinion. And it's Bam Bam Bigelow. I loved him growing up. I thought he was great. Again, he he was always the same guy, you know. No matter where he went, he had the uh, you know the flames on the tights, and he, he had the, that look. And he was always just a badass. He beat you up and he, he spit you know chew you up and spit you out. He was a I I loved him. I I did. He played a, a face in early on in my wrestling fandom, and he was a great heel at other times. But he was a beast. The beast of the East in ECW. And he was also part of the triple threat with Shane Douglas, which was awesome as well. And that's actually a great segue because uh, that goes into my number two pick because there was a memorable moment with Bam Bam Bigelow in my number two pick. And people are going to laugh or might have some issues with this comparison, but I think this guy, what you could compare him to now is Brock Lesnar. 
I think I think I you know who you're talking about, but whoa. Okay, let's talk about amateur wrestling. This guy was the Empire State's heavyweight champion for amateur wrestling. He was a legit badass. He was like a pit bull. He could latch onto you, throw you in submissions. He would suplex you all over the ring, and he didn't give a damn what you thought about him. He would cuss people out. He was real. He was badass. He is Taz. He paved the way. He took all the trees down, cut everything, culled everything, so Suplex City could be built on that ground. He was the innovator of that. And he's had some great WWE accomplishments. Don't get me wrong. He debuted at the 2000 Royal Rumble, defeated Kurt Angle, gave Kurt Angle his first loss in WWE. Then, which I'm sure we're all very familiar with, there was a time where when he was signed to WWE, Mike Awesome, who was the ECW champion, jumped over to WCW. And because he had a clause written into his contract that he couldn't bring the ECW title over, Paul Heyman got to choose who we would lose it to, and he chose Taz. So at an ECW event, a WWF contracted performer beat a WCW contracted performer for an ECW title. And I think that's kind of cool. That's huge. But then he gets back to WWE, the ECW champion, and he jobs to Triple H in a very short match. Made him look like complete dog crap, you know? Total, total. And then what did he go on to? He went into a commentary war against Jerry Lawler and lost to JR and Jerry Lawler when JR smashed a candy dish over his head. <laughs> like, here's this like, legit badass who at one time put the Taz mission, the Katahajime, on Bam Bam Bigelow, and they went through the ring. They went through the entrance ramp. He wrapped his arm in barbed wire and put Tajiri in the Taz mission. This is a badass, and now he's losing to Jerry Lawler. That, like, made me so mad. Um, but then he became an awesome color commentator. Like a lot of people don't like his views. I like the the fact that he has that background as a wrestler, and it kind of like was the template for what JBL is now. And I can't stand JBL now. When he first started off, though, was amazing. When Taz first started off, he was an amazing color commentator. But he only held the Hardcore Championship three times, and he is a former WWF Tag Team Champion with a uh, a local trainer here, uh, Spike Dudley. So th that's, those are his biggest accomplishments, and I think he could have been utilized so much better in WWF. So that's my number two is Taz. I would have liked to see Bam Bam put him through another ring or two. That would you know? be awesome. <laughs> right? Uh, that, was, that was awesome. That was absolutely awesome. And I really like that Taz pick now that you, you got me swayed. I didn't keep him on my top five at all, and I love Taz. I just My view was when I was making this list that he had a pretty good run, WWE. So I left him off, but yeah, you're probably right. He probably could have been used a lot more than he was. And uh, he has a great podcast too, if you want, if you ever listened to that. Um, my number one was already mentioned. This is a another guy that he works so well. He's been in the business for a long time, leading up to his success in ECW. And when he got to ECW, is when he really found himself. And in doing so, he probably uh, ticked off a lot of people. And he probably had burnt so many bridges everywhere else that he could not go back. And that is the franchise. And he really, he could be a franchise player anywhere, but he found it at ECW. And he really did take off as being one of the greatest heels in wrestling that I can remember. He's also, I just said with Sabu that Sabu is what turned me on to ECW. Once I found a way through, uh, my grandparents had satellites so I could like, old-fashioned satellite not like dish tv or whatever where you had to like move the whole satellite to different locations the whole backyard was taken yeah. up by the dish right. so we could get the feed out of philly 
and I could finally start watching ECW. And that was the point where he was on his run as champion. And I just, this guy's awesome. And I was like, this is Dean Douglas. Because I remembered because it was only like two years before. It's like, this is Dean Douglas? No way. He was just so different. And, and he just had great matches. And then another thing on top of it was he had Francine. So oh, Francine, back to Francine. Yeah. I was a I was a Beulah guy. You like Beulah? And, and, and a kimono. Like who didn't oh, like kimono? Kimono, yeah. <laughs> but Tommy Dream was tossing those girls around back then. All right, that's my number one. You know, Shane Douglas. My number one. Uh, I I could say this. Not just the ECW guys that I wished would have made it bigger in WWE. He was in a lot of different promotions. He was everywhere. He's still wrestling, and he's a WWE Hall of Famer. But didn't really make his mark in WWE. This is one of the, you know, growing up, watching some of the, uh, a lot of the stuff that went on down south, uh, a, a lot of that stuff. Man, this guy was at the top of his game. He was a great heel, an amazing wrestler, and was as hardcore as there's ever been in the wrestling industry. And I'm talking about Terry Funk. This guy could go. Right, I wish that he would have had a longer run in WWE, a better run. I'm not saying he didn't, you know, have his thing going. But Chainsaw Charlie did nothing for me. You know, a lot of the earliest stuff that he did wasn't really top level stuff. I think this is one of the best wrestlers of all time. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna put him in, you know, my top ten, I'm, and I mean that, you know. And this guy didn't really make an impact in WWE when I think that he should have, but did make the Hall of Fame. But you got guys that have never even wrestled in a WWE ring that are in the Hall of Fame. See Abdul the Butcher. So that that's that's my number one guy uh, for the ECW. Well, it's it's interesting. So my number one was already mentioned, but my number one also has a tie to Terry Funk, which I'll be playing that audio clip for you in a moment here. But my number one pick, I think, was the prerequisite uh, was the template for a character now known as Bray Wyatt. Um, he was originally, as mentioned, in WWF as a manager, Johnny Polo. Uh, after going to ECW, he basically took the whole grunge trend that was going on in Seattle at the time and tied a, a checkered flannel shirt around his waist, threw on a leather jacket, grew his hair out. And then he went to ECW and he had his group, his followers, his flock. Same thing in, in WCW when he went over there. So very much like the Wyatt family, he had his own followers, like a cult leader, that were loyal to him. He had a great mind for the business. He had a memorable feud with Tommy Dreamer, as we talked about a little earlier, uh, with brought Francine and Beulah McGillicuddy. Um, then he ended up taking another character, the Sandman, and created a storyline where he brainwashed his son Tyler into basically pledging his allegiance to him. And then that led to a crucifixion angle where he put the Sandman on a cross. Of course, I'm talking about the man known as Raven. He was probably, he probably gives the best promos. One of the best promo people, in, in my mind, some of the people that do the best promos of all time, Mick Foley and Raven. Those are my top two. I just think that the intensity and the creativity that they bring to their promos, like that's what I want to see. They, you're, they're selling me on their characters and what they believe in. Um, just some WWE accomplishments. How many times do you think Raven was the hardcore champion? Hmm. Probably zero. Oh, no, no, no. He's, got, <laughs> no. he's been, like, like 25. You're very close. Really like 26. Like 27 times. 27 times. Yeah, it's a lot. Champion. Yeah. It had to be an extreme. What's some of his other memorable stuff? He feuded with Perry Saturn over Moppy. Moppy. Yep. Ugh. 
Can't forget Moppy. But then the, the, something really cool happened, and this is another, to tie it back to the beginning of the podcast, where you take these ideas and you kind of, they start running with them, and then you just abandon them and forget about them. When he was in WWE, he was uh, basically banished from Raw, and he was exclusive to Sunday Night Heat. He started his own, he basically went to the producers and went to the writers and said, I want to do this angle. And he started wrestling matches uh, after basically given creative control, and he wanted to create uh, a storyline based on the movie Seven. And he was wrestling every week. Um, management basically nixed it, but he was wrestling every week as one of the seven deadly sins. And basically where it was supposed to culminate, supposedly, was this is when Matt Hardy and Leader was still dating. He would have, uh, using lust and envy as those two sins, he was going to start a feud for Lita with Matt Hardy. Like the movie. Yeah. yeah the and and that that Spoiler. was his idea. And then it went about two weeks and management's like, nah, this isn't working. Nah. And they nixed it. Wow. So that, that was a great final countdown, guys. So that's my number one Raven. I want to play an audio clip, though, real quick. So going back to the Terry Funk, this is when Terry Funk and Raven were supposed to be fighting. This was a six-minute promo that I basically tried to whittle down to a little under three minutes. But this just goes to show you uh, what Raven could do. He's a very, like, sullen... Uh, just like pessimistic character and he's very he's very downtrodden and, and almost if you want to call him emo and just just take a listen to this when he's talking about facing terry funk for the title you see there's a parable about a man walking in the desert and god says to him i'll always be by your side i will always be by your side and as the man walks through the desert and gets weaker and weaker and finally when he thinks he's at his lowest point he notices that there's only one set of footprints, not two. And with whatever intestinal fortitude, whatever heart, whatever he has that he can muster, he makes it through that desert. And when he gets there, he says, God, God, why did you desert me? You promised me you'd always be with me. And God says, when there was only one set of footprints, that was me carrying you. Well, on April 13th, Terry Funk, God will not be in the ring. I will be the one carrying you, Terry Funk. I will enable you to make it through the match. I will enable you to be in one of the greatest matches in recorded history. I will enable you to almost taste victory before I take that away from you, Terry Funk. And at some point, as you lay there beaten, battered, bruised, and bleeding, and praying for divine intervention to end your miserable life, to give you an honorable death in combat. I will carry you, Terry Funk. I will carry you to the end of the match in the ugly, bitter pill of defeat. And I'll look in your eyes then, Terry Funk, and I'll see the eyes of a broken man. And that's when I'll see the eyes of my father. So Terry Funk, when I end your quest for the Holy Grail, when I nullify everything you've ever done by defeating you in that ring, I hurt my father. <laughs> when I end your triumphant comeback, I hurt my father. And I don't even care, as restless as I am. And I don't even know just where my bones will rest. To dust, I guess, forgotten and absorbed 
to the earth below. The world title heats the urgency around. Can't you see besides Raven? There's no one else around. Quote my father's son. Nevermore. So to me, that sounds kind of like a Bray Wyatt promo. Like that, like the the whole story about how it's like a higher thing and it's his father and you know, he's he's equating Terry Funk. I, I just this guy had such a good mind. He was such a good promo. Amazing. So that's that's yeah, my great number storyteller. One. Yeah, exactly. I, I think this goes back to like, you know, how all my favorite musicians are are drug addicts. I, I think, you know, this guy was just out of his mind and just just could do these things and was just so artistic because he was just he, he was a little nuts. That's what they say he about was, geniuses. He was a little he minds. was a little nuts. He, I don't think he was uh, looking at the world differently. I don't think he was in character just now. I think he was speaking from. I, I think Raven is Raven. I, I think you know he seems like a guy that at you know at the end of the day after the shower after his you know match he's still Raven. So Johnny Polo would have been his greatest acting job. Right for real. <laughs> That's Excellent. you know what your number one pick. That's so Raven. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what about me? What about Raven? That's and that's this is what for your geeks all about. Just being this is awesome. This was a great show. Before we go out, I want to throw up the bat signal again. Um, so if you guys have any social media websites, anything you want to plug before uh, we go out, just uh, anything you want to plug: Twitter, Instagram. Your let's plug your show again. Hur- the Hurricane Rana Wrestling Podcast. Yeah, definitely check us out um, on Facebook. Hurricane Rana Wrestling. Uh, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher. You know, we're all over the place there for our podcast. But you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Hurricane Rana. Anything else you guys want to vlog or is that that's, that's it? That's pretty yeah. good. Okay, yeah. for me, uh, my Twitter, free your geek at twitter.com or just go on Twitter and search for your geek. That's us. You'll find the same uh, artwork that we use for our podcast. I also have jfreethegeek.com, J F R E E. T-H-E-G-E-E-K.com. That's my personal website. Also check out 59media.com, F-I-F-T-Y, 9media.com. And uh, yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for being on. I appreciate thanks you stepping in to, uh, to hang out. Check us out on Facebook if you're not there already and you're listening on Stitcher or iTunes. Check us out on Facebook, Free Your Geek. This is Jay Free. Eric, Mike, we're out of here. This song right here is just incredible. Going back to, to PJ yes. what we talked about, this is a song that's covered by a band called Grinspoon, originally by a band called Prong. This is a song called Snap Your Fingers, Snap Your Neck.
you're still here. It's over. Go home. <laughs>